Growth in both physical and spiritual aspects can be summed up in this one sentence. Committing long-term to perform the basics consistently. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, and we'll be reading uh, four verses. May I ask everyone to stand as well as we read this passage. Isaiah 40, and the verses are up there, verses 28 to 31. So Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Let's read these four verses out loud together. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to bullet point and machine gun 10 individuals. And while I'm talking about these individuals, I want you to think of what they have in common. All right? So I'm going to name 10 individuals. Just try to find the common factor between the 10 of them. First one is C.H. Spurgeon. He's known as the Prince of Preachers. Number two is D.L. Moody, who is said to have led more than a million souls to Jesus in his entire service. George Whitfield responsible for um, one of the key figures of the First Great Awakening, and was referred to in the newspapers as the marvel of the age. Okay? Number four, Billy Sunday, a famous baseball player that became a powerful evangelist in America. Number five, Amy Carmichael, who became the mother of many orphans in India. David Brainerd, who pioneered a legacy in missions. William Carey, also known as the father of modern-day missions. George Mueller, a man who took in hundreds and hundreds of orphans that was left alone in Bristol, England. Hudson Taylor, who for, 40, for 51 years served, an, uh, served in China, served as a missionary in China, and founded, founded the China Inland Mission. And Jonathan Edwards is the last one, who was a brilliant theologian, and along with George Whitfield, was instrumental in the first great awakening. Now, what do these ten individuals have in common? Was it their age? No, it wasn't their age. Was it their physical appearance? Was it their stature? Was it their gender? Now, I mentioned Amy Carmichael, so it can't be the gender. And I could have, I could have uh, included much more. Mary Slessor, Elizabeth Elliot, Fanny Crosby. So it's not their gender. What they had in common, was it their ministries? No, it wasn't. Some of these were pastors. Some were missionaries. Some were evangelists. So what is the common link between these ten individuals? Simply this, all ten of these, for me personally and to many others, are referred to as spiritual 
giants. Spiritual giants, which is a term that we often throw around when describing a, a Christian that is, that is set apart from all the other average Christians. They are someone who, have, who has greater faith, someone who has accomplished much more for God than others. We call them super, uh, super Christians or spiritual giants. Now this term spiritual giant is not found in the Bible. We don't see it listed in the Bible, but we see a similar concept, however, in Hebrews 11. And everybody know what's Hebrews 11, what, what the whole thrust of that chapter is? It is known as the Hall of Faith. It featured men such as Abraham, David, Moses, and other unnamed individuals who in the scriptures described to have subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. If that isn't a description of a spiritual giant, then I don't know what is. So we see the, the, the term spiritual giant in the Bible. Now, there are five misconceptions that I've written down here that people have regarding a spiritual giant. And the first one here is people assume that spiritual giants are perfect people, that they never sin, that they never make mistakes, that they were, born, that they were just extremely perfect. But that's not the case. The only perfect, that has, the only perfect person that has ever lived on our earth is Jesus. C.H. Spurgeon was a sinner. D.L. Moody was a sinner. George Whitfield was a sinner. All of these ten individuals were all sinners and messed up. Spiritual giants are not perfect. Spiritual giants are, are, weren't born to be great either. A lot of people assume that spiritual giants, they were destined for greatness. That they were born for greatness. With the case of George Mueller, he was a troublemaker when he was younger. He was stealing from people. He wasn't, at least his youth doesn't suggest that he was born for greatness. Another misconception that spiritual giants has to be known worldwide to be considered a giant. That they need to have a universal or a global ministry for them to be known. Another misconception is that spiritual giants must lead thousands and thousands and thousands of people to Christ themselves. But you know there's a lot of spiritual giants out there that people look up to that their ministry has never been even heard of. They have a very small ministry, but they've been faithful all throughout those years. So it's not the amount of people that you lead to Christ that makes you a spiritual giant. And the last misconception is that spiritual giants only come once every hundred of years. Once a generation passes, you'll have to wait a couple more years for another spiritual giant to raise up. And we're always longing for that one key figure in our day and age to rise up and become that spiritual giant to revive the nation. But that's, not, that's a mistake. Spiritual giants don't come every, once, every hundred of years. They can be developed today. So my, the, the focus of my message is how do we become spiritual giants? I think it's time for us to stop just counting on certain individuals to be the spiritual giant in our society today. We can't be leaving all of that responsibility to one, two, three, four individuals because we have a responsibility ourselves. So how do we become a giant? And I'd like to extend this metaphor by saying spiritual giants most likely have spiritual muscles, large spiritual muscles. Now, if we built up our spiritual muscles, 
technically, there is no doubt that we too can become spiritual giants. Spiritual giants are those who have spiritual muscles. And spiritual muscles are not something that you are born with. They are developed over time. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be born great. You don't have to come from a renowned background or a rich background. You don't have to be at a certain age in your life. You don't have to be world-renowned and famous universally. You can be where you are at right now and begin the process of becoming a spiritual giant. Now, I love physical fitness. It's one of my favorite things to do. And from my personal experience these past two years and from my personal research, I found it very interesting that there are many parallels between physical muscular growth and spiritual muscular growth. And growth in both physical and spiritual aspects can be summed up in this one sentence. Committing long-term to perform the basics consistently. Committing long-term to perform the basics consistently. So tonight we'll be studying the two factors that is necessary for not only physical growth, but for spiritual growth. But before, before we begin, let us open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just um, remove this... Uh, Tiredness from me, Lord, and I know that I am weak. I know that I can't preach without your power, Lord, and I, I depend on you at this time. If you provide me for the, the energy and the strength to be able to preach your word, I pray, Lord, that you would touch the hearts of those listening, that you would help them to glean some truth that will help them in their spiritual walk. I pray, Lord, that you would make your presence known tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the first point here, the first, what, what, the first of the two, is spiritual exercise. If you want to start building spiritual muscles, you need to start spiritually exercising. Now, in this world, in, in, real, in, in terms of physical aspects, when someone is wanting to get more fit or someone is wanting to build muscle, the first area that we think of or the first location that we think of is what? We think of the gym. You know, it's no surprise that during the, the, the month of January... There's a rise in gym memberships almost everywhere because everybody makes a New Year's resolution to get fit or to get healthy. And so they go to the gym, make a, make a, get, get their membership, and eventually in February they're all gone anyways. But nevertheless, when people want to get fit and they want to get healthy, they want to go to the gym. They associate the gym with, you know, muscle building. But the thing is, I have my handkerchief here today. <laughs> the thing is, Simply, simply having a gym membership, you know, owning the card or owning the key, simply going and showing up at the gym is not enough for muscle growth. You can wave your, your, your gym card, your gym entry card, all you want, but that waving isn't going to do anything. You know what? You can show up at the gym seven days a week, 6 a.m. every single day, let's say, you can go inside, take a, go into the treadmill, but you know what? Just simply going to the gym haphazardly is also not enough for muscle growth. Being saved and going to church in the, the, the predetermined services will also not produce spiritual growth. 
Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're, you're, the road to spiritual growth is determined. Just because you go to church every service doesn't mean that you are allowing yourself to grow. That is not spiritual exercise. Those are just spiritual responsibilities that we have, you could say. For muscle to be gained and for muscle to be added upon your body, you need to have proper exercise. You need to have proper resistance training if you want to gain muscle. In weightlifting, I'm only going to do this in passing. Again, this is not a TED Talks for how to build muscle. This is a, a message on spiritual giants. But I bring these three factors up because uh, it relates to my, my further point. But there are three factors that influence and incite muscle growth within a person's body. One is mechanical tension. Summarize it simply, it's lifting heavy. Two is muscular damage. That's, how, that's why a lot of people, they get sore. When you work out, it causes, again, microscopic fiber uh, tears on your, your muscle fibers. That's muscle damage. And three is metabolic stress, which is lifting for long periods of time with very little rest. Metabolic stress, muscular damage, and mechanical tension are all of the most important factors for muscle growth. But out of those three factors, the one that is proven in modern research to be the most important is mechanical tension, lifting heavy. Mechanical tension is described as this. The mechanically induced tension in the muscle generated by the use of force is an essential stimulus for muscle growth. More precisely, the muscle has to be overloaded so that the growth stimulus aims at increased performance. For your muscles to grow, it needs to have a reason to grow. Now, I can take this highlighter, and I can start tonight, and I tell myself tonight, every single day, I'm going to keep bicep curling this until my arm gives out. I'm just going to keep doing this every single day. For the rest of the year, I'm just going to start curling this Nice, I caught it though. I'm going to start curling this highlighter every single day until I tire. By the end of the year, again, October, whatever it is, 2022, if you would measure my arms and how much muscle I gained from just lifting this highlighter, you would find that it probably didn't grow. It probably didn't even uh, grow an inch or a couple centimeters. It would probably be the exact same size. Why? Because this highlighter is worth maybe 200 grams in weight. This is not heavy for anybody, maybe except for a baby it's heavy, but even then it's not. Your muscle needs to have sufficient overloading for it to grow. And the reason why many Christians stagnate is because in our ministry and in our service, what we're doing is we're lifting the yellow highlighters. That's all we're doing. What we find comfortable, what we find easy, that's what we gravitate towards. We never attempt to start lifting that weight over there or start lifting that weight over there. Those ones are difficult. We don't want to do that. We want to do what is easy. So we start curling the easy weight. We start doing the ministry that is easy for us and that we are comfortable with. We, re we refuse to do anything 
that is outside our comfort zone. You know, the spiritual giants in the Hall of Faith, all of them uh, appeared in that chapter, not because they were... Uh, they, they stayed within their comfort zone. The reason why they were in the hall of faith is because they showed extraordinary faith. They stepped out of their comfort zone. Even the 10 individuals that I listed, all of them were men who stepped outside the realms of comfort. Do you think George Mueller found it comfortable to start an orphanage to house hundreds and hundreds of children in, in Bristol, England? Do you think it was comfortable for him to always be scrounging for money? finding a place for them to stay, finding food to feed the children. Do you think all of that was easy for George, Mueller? for George Mueller? Probably not. Do you think it was in Amy Carmichael's comfort zone to house the rejected children of India? Now, these children were rejected because they chose to be Christians. And within the caste society of India, if you chose to become a Christian, you get kicked out of your family. Some would, be, some would be violently pursued until they were eliminated. And Amy Carmichael decided to take these precious children in where no one else would take them. Her, he, she was putting her own life at stake. Do you think that was easy for Amy Carmichael? D.L. Moody, again, there was the man who is said to have reached a million souls to Jesus. You, did you know that when he was beginning, and he was starting, starting out as a preacher, everybody that heard him, a lot of the people who heard him teach, was saying he didn't have the skill for preaching. He made a lot of grammatical mistakes when he was speaking. He stuttered. He wasn't that powerful of a speaker. He made error upon error upon error upon error. And D.L. Moody could have quit right then and there and say, I'm done with preaching. I'm just going to go back to being a shoe cobbler. But he stepped out of, outside of his comfort zone. More than a million souls led to Christ because he decided to trust God rather than trust himself. Let's turn to Matthew 19.26. Matthew 19.26. Pastor White, is this water for me? Or can I drink? Okay, perfect. It says, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, what is possible? All things are possible. Are you giving your spiritual muscles enough of an overload? Are you testing and trying to increase your faith? Getting involved in ministries that are outside of your comfort zone? Because if you're just choosing always to do what is easy for you, you will never grow. You will be a stagnant Christian for years to come. You will forever be a, a, a spiritual pygmy rather than a spiritual giant. Now before I move on to the next point, there is an important point to be made regarding spiritual exercise. Now in the gym, lifting heavy is good, but it is not enough. Lifting must be done with perfect or proper form. A lot of guys, they try to put in as, as heavy of a weight they can. For like a couple of exercises, squats, deadlift, they load the bar up with plates upon plates upon plates. And all of, a lot of the times, this is a, a performance to kind of stroke their ego. 
you know, to show to the other gym goers, look how strong I am, look how weak you are. But what ends up happening is they fool themselves because they do the exercise with horrible form. They injure themselves. They completely butcher the exercise. Lifting heavy is not enough if you aren't doing it with proper form. And I mention this because execution is everything. Execution is more important than the weights or the exercises you use. Execution determines whether you get injured or not in the gym. Execution determines whether you are actually working the intended muscles. Execution results in you not wasting your time every single day at the gym. Now, hopefully all of us here have opportunities to serve, an area of ministry that we get to serve in. But during those ministries that you are involved in, how is your execution? What is your motive? When you serve in the daycare, maybe, when you serve as an usher, when you serve in super church, when you serve in the sound booth, when you serve as whatever else there may be that is needed in the church, what is your motive? Do you do those things, do you perform those things to serve God and to show your love for God? Or do you do those things to maybe get attention to yourself, to stroke your ego, to impress others? In Galatians 1.10 it says, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If your motive for your service and for your ministry is to impress other people, you should not be the servant of Christ. Those works that you are doing, those ministries that you are not doing, will not lead to muscle growth because you are doing it for yourself. You are doing it for other people. Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. And a lot of times that's what we are trying to attain is vain glory when we perform certain things. I don't know who said this before, but they said um, they can tell when certain singers know that they are good singers. When they, perf- they perform and, and they sing in a certain way that is almost arrogant, and they know they're good at singing. Now, nothing is wrong with confidence, but there is a line that many cross. Those who are talented, they cross this line of confidence, and they move into arrogance. And they know they're good at singing, and so they're singing not, no longer for, to, to worship God, but they're singing to impress the crowd. They're singing to impress the congregation. Let nothing be done through vain glory. 1 Samuel 16, 7, For man looketh on the outward appearances, but the Lord looketh on the what? The Lord looketh on the heart. You can even fool others and say, Oh, no, 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 I'm not doing this to impress other people. I'm doing this for God. And you can even sell that lie. But God can see your heart and see your true motive. Matthew 6, 1. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, this is an important statement, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Ye have no reward If you're giving, and now I may extend this to every other forms of service, if you're giving and all of your service is done so that you can be seen of men, guess what? You have no reward. Isn't that tough? 
How much of our ministry, you could say, has been wasted and has not led to our growth because we chose to do it with a wrong motive? You can be involved in ministries, a bunch of ministries. In fact, you can be in full-time ministry. But it all becomes busy work if your execution and your motives are wrong. You will not grow spiritually of your, if your execution is poor. And the last thing to note in this area of spiritual exercise is the importance of not comparing yourself. The importance of not comparing yourself. Again, to go back to the metaphor of uh, weightlifting, a lot of people, they get discouraged to start because they compare themselves. Social media is rampant and they see certain influencers that have a certain level of physique and they look at that person and they look at their strength, they look at their, what they've accomplished and you think to themselves, I will never be able to even touch that or be near that. So what's the point of me even trying? What's the point of me even trying? A lot of people, beginners, they like to look at the person working out beside them. They like to look at that guy over there who is lifting much more than them and they say, wow. I am weak. And they get discouraged. And they give up. Comparison is the thief of joy. In almost every instance, comparison is the thief of joy. Psalm 139.14, let's turn there. There's a very important phrase in this verse. Psalm 139.14. It says, let's read this out loud together. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Not just myself. Everyone here tonight is fearfully and wonderfully made. Not all spiritual giants need to have some sort of worldwide impact or a global scale impact to be considered a giant. You know, there are some spiritual giants that only affect their community. Does the locality of their ministry and their, the locality of their reputation, does that take away from their character? It doesn't. For every Apostle Paul, there is an Apollos, someone who is not well-known, but he was a spiritual giant in his own right, though he was not as famous as the Apostle Paul. There's no point in comparing with that guy over there. Oh, look at that. He can serve in that ministry so well. He's a normal, charismatic leader. He can just gather the children and make them listen. That's one of the biggest things that I struggled with. I would look at certain leaders and they would say, man, they can talk to children so well. They can teach children so well, and I'm over here teaching them theology and like university-level speech because I can't teach children. And I got mad at myself because I just didn't have this skill. But there's no point in comparing your skills with the skills that God has given another person. You need to exercise the best way that you can, not the best way another person can. Moving out of your comfort zone, proper execution, and doing the best that you can, those are all the important principles for fruitful spiritual exercise. And the last point here, spiritual exercise coupled with spiritual recovery. 
Now, no matter how hard, no matter how intense you train, no matter how much sweat you pour in the gym, no matter how frequently you may train, no matter what exercises you choose to do, no matter what program you decide to follow, everything will literally be useless if you do not let your muscles recover. A misconception is that many think that doing the squats, doing the curl, doing the press, they think that those exercises are what builds muscle. But muscle isn't built in the gym. Exercising only gives your muscle the reason to grow. It incites growth, but it doesn't produce growth. And they only grow if they are given a chance to recover. And how is recovery made? Recovery is from two things. From proper nutrition and enough rest. Now starting off with nutrition, the most vital fuel for growth is the start, it starts with the letter P. Protein. A lot of people, they're obsessed with protein, protein, protein. They look, for, they look at the box and they, oh, where's the protein? Where's the protein? And I'm one of them, by the way. But anyways, we look at the protein. Protein is the most important building block of muscle. Now, again, it's not exclusive to weightlifters because everybody here requires protein. Our body needs protein. Simple as that. It's, again, I, I'm not the best at this topic. There, maybe Miss Angelique can explain this area much more than I can, and, and people have studied this. But protein is responsible for the maintenance of tissues. It provides cells with structure and rigidity. It strengthens the immune systems. It transports nutrients, provides energy, and, and heals damaged muscles. So that's why people who want to build muscle, they drink, or not that they don't drink, they ingest a lot of protein. Insufficient amounts of this building block is akin to giving a construction crew half a bag of cement and two bricks and then tasking them to build the mansion. That's kind of how it is like. You expect to build a mansion and you give the construction crew two bricks and a half a bag of cement? What kind of mansion will you build with that? You need the resources. Builders need enough resources to build. Vehicles and machines, they need enough fuel to be able to run. I'm always watching my, my, the gas gauge in my car, and I always like to ride it when the, the gas light is on, when it's, it's really empty. I really want to go all the way. But it needs to run. Eventually, I'll have to go to the gas station and sell my soul to the, 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 the thing and get the, the fuel, and that always hurts my heart. Anyways, they need fuel to run. And muscles need protein to grow. Now, how do you expect to grow and become a spiritual giant if you're not consuming what is the building block for spiritual growth in this Christian life? And what is that building block? Pretty simple. You might already have guessed it. Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, this was Jesus talking, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? By every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I want everybody to just hold up their Bibles. Hold up your Bibles. You know, all of these pages in between these bindings have proceeded out from the, the mouth of God. These are God's words for us. And you can put your Bibles down. You don't have to keep it up the whole service. But this is what we have to consume. 
This, the Bible, the spiritual truths in the Bible, the teachings in the Bible, these are the building blocks for spiritual growth. We can exercise and be involved in many, as many ministries as we want, but if we are not consuming what is the most precious for spiritual growth, we'll never grow, no matter how much ministries you serve in. Now let me tell you right now, even if you go to Sunday school services and you're there at 10 a.m. in your class, whatever age bracket you may be, even if you attend Sunday morning service, obviously you have to say, I don't think anybody goes to Sunday school and then goes home. But even if you go to Sunday school, Sunday morning, then you come back later on Sunday evening, then you come back again on Wednesday, midweek service. You know, even if you have these four lessons, those four sermons and four lessons are not sufficient at all for growth. They're just simply not enough. They're great encouragements. They're great teaching opportunities, but they're not sufficient for you as a Christian to grow and take that next step of becoming a spiritual giant. You need to consume more. You need to have uh, your own time every single morning to read the Bible. Psalm 119, let's turn there. Psalm 119, 10 to 11. It says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Let's read verse 11 out loud. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. With your whole heart have you sought to obtain the truths of Scripture? Have you hid God's word in your heart? Have you even consumed enough of God's word to have been able to hide it in your heart? Some don't even have enough scripture knowledge for them to be able to put in their hearts because they just don't care. Bodybuilders, they're obsessed with protein. They can be obsessed with how much they want. But are you as a Christian obsessed with learning more about the Bible? When was the last time you yearned when was the last time you actually were excited to open your Bible? You were wanting to seek something out. Now, as, as for my memory is quite poor, but every single time for a sermon, I always try to, again, take Pastor Devin's stuff, and I like to take his little mini ruler, and I like to take his underliner, because I'm, I want to enter every single sermon with a, a yearning to want to learn something. Even if I've heard that story multiple times, even if I've heard and read that chapter multiple times, I'm always, I'm trying to yearn to learn more about God's word. And that is how we should be with our Bible reading. Yearning for more truth. Now the last factor for recovery is adequate sleep and rest. I know the teens, they've already failed this area. You guys do not get enough adequate sleep and rest. Recommended amount is seven to nine hours. You guys probably don't even get the bottom tier of that, the seven hours. To, uh, don't, I'm not pointing you out because I'm pretty bad as well. Seven to nine hours of sleep is what is recommended for optimal muscle growth. Now, sleep, why do we need to sleep? How about we just go in the gym and train for 24 hours? But by the end of the 24 hours, we'll, we'll be huge. We'll be giants. Why do we need to sleep? Sleep is for the weak. Many, much research has been conducted, the, the, the role of sleep. And not only sleeping and closing your eyes 
What is required is deep sleep, right? Forgot what the term was, but you need deep sleep, not just naps. So a lot of people like naps. I love naps. I didn't get to take my afternoon nap today. That's why I'm a bit fatigued. But you need to be in deep sleep, though, however. In deep sleep, that is when our brain kind of just shuts, well, not shuts off fully because you'll be dead, but it shuts off and has very little activity, okay? Some of, oh, never mind. I was about to say some people that have very minimal activity to begin with. <laughs> Anyways, our brain has very minimal activity during deep sleep, meaning more blood will be sent to our muscles and more blood will be able to facilitate growth. Basically, when the brain is shutting down, again, not like a little bit, not fully shutting down, it's basically the go-ahead for your body to start repairing the muscles that have been damaged. Because in the, the lineage, in the latter of things, muscle repair is one of the least important things for your body to do. Your body needs to run all the organs. Your body needs to uh, prevent viruses from entering. Muscles are the least of its priority, so it needs its own time to be able to repair. That's why you need deep sleep. Again, heralding back to the illustration of builders, even if you had a good construction team, the best architects, the best uh, construction workers in town, you give them all enough resources to build, you give them more than two, a half a bag of cement, and you give them more than two bricks, you give them everything they need, you give them the design, the blueprint to build a mansion, guess what? If you only give them one day to build it, they will still fail because they didn't get enough time. Even the greatest builders in the world need time to produce something of significant worth. With enough pro even with enough protein, if the body doesn't rest, those resources are useless. Sleeping, to be told, uh, to be honest, is the easiest part of recovery. It is the easiest part of recovery. All you have to do is go to your bed and close your eyes and sleep. Does that sound very hard to you? I mean, all of us, by the time we get home, we're already fatigued. But for some reason, we choose to stay up. We like to stay up for some reason. Again, I'm part of this thing. I like to do random research at night, at the middle of the night, for no, for no apparent reason. It's the easiest part of recovery, but it is also the easiest to neglect. Now think. What is integral for spiritual growth, but it's also easy to perform, easy to do, but is neglected by the vast majority of Christians? What is integral for spiritual growth, something that you can do very easily, but we still neglect it? The answer to that question is prayer. Prayer is like sleeping for bodybuilders. It's easy. You don't have to be at a certain location to be able to pray. You can be anywhere. You can be praying with your eyes open. But even though it's so easy to perform, it is probably the most neglected ministry amongst many Christians. This is the second to last passage I'll ask you to turn to, but Matthew 11, 28 to 29. Matthew 11, 28 to 29. I'm going to wrap up here. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And read this last line with me. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. Why do we have no peace? Why do we have no sense of comfort? Why are we so uneasy all the time? With the changing of the times, we get so worrisome. Why do we get bothered by the smallest of problems? Why do we struggle in our ministries and in our service? Why do we never learn anything from sermons and from our Bible reading? It's because we don't rest and pray. We don't commune with God. Working out, getting enough protein, all fine and dandy. But your growth is severely restricted if you don't sleep. And similarly, serving God is awesome. Reading your Bible, incredibly important. But spiritual giants can never be made if they aren't first prayer warriors. That 10 that I mentioned earlier, all of those guys and, and, and women were prayer warriors. You know who else woke up early to pray above anything else? Even if they had a long night, you know who else woke up early to pray? Jesus. In the Gospels, after the Sabbath was over, a multitude of people visited Jesus and went to Peter's house, and they, could, they just kind of crashed in there maybe, and they started bringing in their sick loved ones. They started bringing out their demon-possessed relatives, and they brought him to Jesus. Now imagine that. It's the middle of the night. You're about to get, you're ready to go to sleep, and then a host, a multitude of people just come to your door, barging in, telling them, telling you to maybe heal their relatives, to um, exercise, not exercise, uh, cast out the demons. But Jesus didn't refuse. He healed all the sick, and he cast out all the evil spirits. And I'm sure it went for a couple of hours into the night that he was doing this. It could have been very easy for Jesus to just, you know, even though they had no alarm clocks back then, he could have just easily set his alarm clock a bit later. He could have easily just woken up afternoon, maybe later on in the day, because he was tired. He already served God all night. But in Mark 1.35, this is what he did. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. The perfect, sinless, blameless Jesus always rested every single morning by communing with God the Father. If Jesus, much more perfect than we are, much more capable than we are, much more incredible than we are, if Jesus was dependent on God, how much more should we be, we be dependent on God? We're nothing compared to Jesus, but he himself, still dependent on God, rested and found rest and comfort in time with the Father. And we should do the same. Oswald Chambers, a famous Scottish evangelist, once said, a private relationship of worshiping God is the greatest essential element of spiritual fitness. A private relationship with God. Many of us here have a public relationship with God. We're all here at church. Everybody here knows that we are Christians. But within the confines of our room, do we have a private relationship 
Are we resting in God? Because if we are not, we will never produce spiritual growth. As I mentioned earlier, muscle building can be summed up in a sentence. Committing long-term to performing the basics consistently. If you commit to proper spiritual exercise and service, overloading and stepping out of your comfort to serve, having proper execution and motives during your service, and doing the best that you are able to, and if you commit to having proper spiritual recovery, again, copious amounts of God's word and a lot of time spent with God, if you spiritually exercise and spiritually recover, then inevitably you will become a spiritual giant. Again, in real life, if you apply all the, the principles of muscle growth, in a couple years' time, you will become a muscular person. These laws and these principles will be applied immediately. Even if you don't want it to, they will transform you physically. And again, even if you are not aiming to be a spiritual giant, if you are spiritually exercising and you're really progressively overloading your service for God, if you're allowing your spiritual self to recover, you're praying, you're reading God's word, there is no doubt that you will become a spiritual giant. Now, hopefully all of us here have that desire. Now, something that really affected my spiritual walk was actually my, um, my time at the, the gym, when I started going to the gym. And I realized there was a kind of an epiphany that I had. Why was I spending such amount? Why was I so focused in measuring out all my meals, tracking everything, and being so diligent for my body? When 1 Timothy 4.8 clearly says, for bodily exercise profiteth little. But what is profitable? Godliness is profitable unto all things. And when I realized that, and when I had that epiphany that I'm spending way too much time, I became much more disciplined in my personal walk with God, in my personal spiritual walk. What is your greatest desire? Is it bodily exercise? Is it social media exercise? Is it whatever other exercise that you can think of? Are you focusing more on those things rather than godliness? rather than becoming a spiritual giant. Last thing, we'll go back to our key verse, and then this, we're, we're done. Isaiah 40, 31. We'll go back to the verse that we opened with. And it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. That is the description of someone who is spiritually dependent, who is spiritually grown, who is spiritually growing. That is the result of God just having much more influence upon that individual. The Lord shall renew their strength. If you feel as if you are always just tired of service, you're tired of serving the Lord, you're tired of coming to church, it must be because you are not spiritually growing. Maybe you're on the path of spiritual atrophy. Your muscles are actually getting destroyed and going backwards and getting smaller. So I urge everyone here tonight to have that desire 
to build up our spiritual muscles and to have the desire to become spiritual giants. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word. Thank you.